This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. In 1915, the film The Birth of a Nation glorified the Ku Klux Klan, became Hollywood's first blockbuster hit, and showed black Americans that they had yet one more enemy, cinema. Author and journalist Will Haygood uncovers these events in the opening of his latest book, Colorization, 100 Years of Black Films in a White World. From that point forward, Haygood recounts the fascinating and little-known history of black artists in the movie biz, on screen and behind the scenes. That includes Illinois' own Oscar Michaud, the first mainstream black filmmaker in the U.S. And Will Haygood joins me now to discuss these stories and more. Will, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. So there's plenty more in the book, Will, from Gone with the Wind to black exploitation films to Black Panther. Why did you decide to focus colorization on on filmmaking and on, as you've put it, uncovering truths within the industry? Well, because films have long been a way that American art speaks to the world side by side with music. Uh, you know, folks in France or uh, Turkey uh, see an American film and they think that those films are literally uh, true. Um, you know, and there is the magic of film as well. So everybody has one thing and every city in common. Everybody goes to the movies. Right. Well, talk about your research process for this book. How did it come together? Well, I really wanted to tell twin stories uh, in this book. I wanted to tell the story of history uh, in movies side by side. So, you know, in the 1920s, there's a movie, but there's also perhaps a lynching in the next town over. Uh, in the 1930s, uh, the same thing is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1940s, the same thing happens to be going on. So it is astonishing that black artists were able to uh, uh, to put themselves inside or in the film business. And their struggles were quite different from the struggles of whites, uh, you know, they had to contend with all of the segregation laws, all of the uh, all of the road black uh, roadblocks to raising money. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things affected uh, how many how many black filmmakers could get their movies made, and so it was a struggle. And inside of that struggle, you have stories of heartache and stories. Of sheer triumph. Well, I want to talk about that struggle. You begin with 1915, the birth of a nation. Why? Well, because that was uh, a big movie. Uh, one out of four people in America went to see that movie. It was a movie about uh, reconstruction. Uh, it was a racist film uh, made by uh, D.W. Griffith, uh, and um, it um, it really exposed this country uh, to the harm that a film can do because there were uprisings and there were pickets uh, by black folk who were offended, deeply offended, and their white friends deeply offended 
by this uh, movie that uh, that had the Ku Klux Klan as heroes and had black men as uh, rapists and murderers. Mm-hmm. Um, totally fiction, of course, but it was based on a movie. I mean, it was based on a novel um, uh, in that uh, novel got turned into this epic three and a half hour movie right. and that played all across the country in 1915 and it played for uh, four straight years really as one of the top movies and it, it was and the it, stars and it played in uh, of his time and it played in Woodrow Wilson's White House right yes yes there was a uh, secret premiere at the White House but word seeped out and of course that added to the fuel of anger uh, that a movie this racist uh, would have a showing uh, at the House of Freedom at the White House. The next story that you tell in the book is about Oscar Michaud, who was born in Metropolis, Illinois. He was a writer, eventually a filmmaker. I would say he's the, the forefather of, of black film. Can you help us connect the dots there between Michaud and black filmmaking? Uh he was an amazing figure. Uh, uh, he left his hometown. He went out west as a homesteader. Uh, he was a farmer at first in South Dakota. Uh, he worked at that for about three years, and then he had some setbacks, and he was sitting in uh, his cabin at night, and he started writing short stories and he told himself that maybe I can turn my short stories into scripts, uh, movie scripts, and maybe I can turn those uh, movie scripts into actual films. Uh, He had no mentor. Uh, He had to go around raising money. Uh, This was unheard of. Um, He was uh, he was a true pioneer uh, and he started raising money successfully he started out making silent films then short films mm-hmm. and then full-blown films that uh that he could uh book into theaters all around the country um and he became a star in his own right even if hollywood failed to failed to honor him or to even notice him yeah you know and, and among Many black af- actors that you, you mention in colorization, Will, you write about pioneers Harry Belafonte and the late Sidney Poitier. Um, I like this quote that you put. You said uh, they altered both Hollywood and America, arriving on the scene like torpedoes during the darkest days of the civil rights movement, trying to stay alive. Talk to us about how they managed to rise up within the industry, because that wasn't the norm for black actors then. No, uh, it wasn't. Uh, these were two entertainers who met each other on the stage in New York City in the 1940s. Uh, two handsome men, very talented men. Uh, and yet they knew that, uh, that they were inextricably tied to the civil rights movement uh, of this country because of the color of their skin. Uh, and, and they were also 
two Caribbeans. Uh, and so they maybe had a different mindset to how you attack racism. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you mean not being not there. being from America originally. Yes, exactly. And I think that they were fearless, um, fearless in joining the movement. And no matter how high they went, they wanted to be involved in civil rights. So they were at the 19, 1963 March on Washington. I mean, they both helped raise money for the march. Uh, and they both went to Mississippi under the cover of darkness when it was very dangerous uh, to deliver money to civil rights workers who had been jailed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they both risked their lives. Uh, um, Just two brave men uh, who took on Hollywood and who stand as tall as any giant in Hollywood does today. Well, what about the ones who never got their shot, right? They, they wanted to act. They wanted mm-hmm. to write screenplays. They wanted to direct, but they died as outsiders to the industry before actually witnessing this kind of change in the nation. Heartbreaking. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking story. There is a, there is an actor who I write about, uh, James Edwards, who was in a 1949 movie called Home of the Brave. He was the star of it. It was, um, it was a World War II era movie, and it was about a black soldier in an all-white regiment and the things he has to do to cope with the raw racism in that regiment, uh, it was thought that he was going to be a star. Uh, he got wonderful reviews. Everybody was talking about the movie, but he was black. Uh, mm-hmm. And there just were not screenwriters who were writing roles uh, for him. And uh, uh, he got very sad. Uh, he started drinking too much. Uh, he left L.A., uh, he went to San Diego, um, uh, started writing scripts in his little home, uh, which is where he died alone in 1970, James mm. Edwards. Uh, and there are many, many stories like that in this book of actors and actresses uh, who were trying to climb up that hard hill of Hollywood mm-hmm. uh, and simply didn't make it. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and my guest is author and journalist Will Haygood, perhaps best known for writing the story that inspired the 2013 blockbuster film The Butler. We are discussing his latest book, Colorization, which explores the history of black artists in Hollywood. Uh, Will, we got to talk about this week's Oscars, uh, but not the, the moment that everyone is still talking about. I want us to dive into representation. Last year, the uh, Academy, under public and industry pressure, took action to diversify its pool of voting members. Do you think that that made a difference in the diversity of nominations this year? Yes, absolutely. Uh, When you're in the room, it does make a significant difference. Uh, You know, it's one thing to talk to talk, but it's important to walk the walk. 
the fact that we see many more black and brown faces at the Oscars, in the audience, winning awards, it's very, very, uh, very, very meaningful. Uh, there's a lot of talent out there, mm -hmm. and we need to uh, uh, to let more people into the room in Hollywood. Uh, uh, it's a tough field, uh, but uh, if Hollywood is to survive, it is going to have to open its arms wider it simply is well to that end you know you write in the book about late actress hattie mcdaniel who we know was the first black woman to win an oscar she won best supporting actress for uh her role as mammy in gone with the wind right recently halle berry spoke out about the fact that she is you know the only black woman to win the best actress oscar mm -hmm. she was upset at how her win even 20 years later, just didn't open doors. Why has it been so difficult for Hollywood to lift up black female actors? Well, I think most of the, uh, well, most of the screenwriters uh, are white, uh, you know, and that's not to take away from their drive and their talent, but are they going over to their bookshelf looking for books by by blacks books that uh, hurled uh, heroines who were black. Uh, no, I mean no, they yeah. simply are not. I mean you have to have the source material, you have to have the scripts, you have to have the writer who wants to tell uh, those stories, and you have to get a meeting with the people who make the movies. And that's how it happens. So if your script writers inside of a studio, if they're only writing scripts about white heroines, uh, you know, then you just don't see uh, black women on the screen as much as we should. And it uh, it's awful. Halle Berry is right. I mean, she... She still stands as the only black woman who's won a Best Actress Oscar. Which is wild. And it's, it's awful. I mean, it, it, yes, it just is awful. I mentioned you being known for, for writing about the life of Eugene Allen, right? That inspired mm -hmm. the Lee Daniels film called The Butler back in 2013. It was groundbreaking. You know, it has... Contrary to what we've been talking about, a multiracial cast, very, very star-studded. Talk about that experience, Will, You know, watching this story go from print to the big screen, and then you spent some time on set, too. Yes, it was actually wonderful. That movie wouldn't have gotten to the screen were it not for a black woman. And that Sheila Johnson, co-founder of BET, who, when the original studio who bought the rights to my story, when they dropped it, it seemed like the movie uh, was dead. But she said, no, 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 this story is too important to tell. So I'm going to bring together some producers uh, to raise the money uh, to make the movie. Yeah. Uh, and she did. Uh, it was... 
astonishing that the movie found a second life because it had died. Uh, and so then her and Laura Ziskin and Pam Williams, and, uh, they hired uh, Lee Daniels, mm-hmm. um, uh, who directed the movie. And there's a lot of actors, actresses, black and white, who want to work with him. Um, he's just a extremely, extremely gifted movie director. Right. Oscar nominated. Uh, uh, and so the film got made in the stars who were in that movie, Oprah Winfrey, Jane Fonda, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Lenny Kravitz, um, uh, Mariah Carey, uh, uh, Mariah Carey, seven Oscar winners, uh, were in that movie. Uh, and so this is a movie uh, uh, made by uh, a multiracial producing team and a multiracial cast that was left for dead, that revived itself and opened at number one at the box office. And it was number one for three weeks and it was in the top 10 for eight yeah. weeks uh and it did it became, amazingly well yeah it became a hit overseas uh you know on a small budget and so you know these filmmakers like lee daniels uh, you know they just want a seat at the table yeah. and they will make a movie that people will come to see there's so much more that we could get to, but we're, we're almost out of time. You know, as you, you talk about Lee Daniels, I know we have been witnessing this newer class of, of black screenwriters, too. You know, obviously Tyler Perry's out there, Shonda Rhimes. We've got Jordan Peele, Ava DuVernay. The list goes on. Um, yes. We see them sort of seizing the opportunity to tell our stories. Um, but in this minute I have left with you, Will, talk about what you hope for the next hundred years of black films. Yeah, well, I hope that that young filmmakers are inspired by what's being done today because you look at Oscar Michaud and 25 years after he died uh, in the 1950s, Sidney Poitier was on stage in L.A. talking to um, film students, and he was telling them the story of Oscar Michaud. And so today, here's Will Haygood trying to tell people the story of Spike Lee, Melvin Van Peebles, mm-hmm. who's born in Chicago, That's and right. Sidney Poitier. The story of all these wonderful films uh, in filmmakers uh, that need uh, uh, that need to be told because it is a significant part yeah. of the American handprint upon the world filmmaking. Well, that is author and journalist Will Haygood. His book, Colorization, 100 Years of Black Films in a White World, is available now. Thank you so much, Will. Thank you. My pleasure. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.